SEL is quite a buzzword in the education community, but the overall concept isn't new. In fact, no matter what subject or grade level you teach, there's always room for integrating social-emotional learning, growth mindset, and developing soft skills in your everyday teaching. Today, we have special guest Jill Lesh from The Self-Nurtured Teacher, and she is going to be talking about just that. She'll explain what SEL means to her, ways that you can embed it into your STEM and hands-on learning, and a variety of resources for teachers and students. This episode is packed full of actionable tips and resources, and I know you are going to adore Jill and her thoughtfulness, her sweet soul, and plethora of experiences. Welcome to the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast, a show that'll help you with lesson ideas, systems, and actionable tips to apply to your classroom. I am your host, Naomi Meredith, a former classroom teacher turned current STEM teacher and coach. With over a decade of experience teaching and a master's degree in STEM leadership, I am here to coach you throughout the year to help you gain back more time to create innovative experiences for your students. Grab your earbuds and let's get started. Well, thank you so much, Jill, for being here. I am so glad that we connected through a mutual business friend of ours, Molly Wheatley. And I did a training in her group, and then you were there and you were smiling and you were so excited about the topic. And then we messaged a bit. And then I'm like, I think you would be really great on this podcast with your expertise. And I really like the sound of your voice. So I'm so glad that you're here, and I know our listeners are really going to benefit from what you have to share today as it relates to SEL and STEM and hands-on learning and all of those awesome things that are so important for our kids, no matter what age level they are. So to help us get to know more about you, tell us about yourself, your teaching background, and how you stepped into the role as the self-nurtured teacher. Thank you. I am so excited to be here and love making these online connections with other educators. I think for those of people that are listening to this podcast and other education podcasts, we can feel so much in silos sometimes. And it's it's kind of nice to be able to find people that align with us that don't necessarily geographically, you know, live by us. So thank you for having me. My education started really as a child. Both my parents are teachers. And so I grew up around education. My, I mean, I just remember being in my dad's classroom from really little on. And then I had the amazing opportunity to, I mean, went to the school that he taught at and had him for my fifth grade language arts teacher. So I really kind of was, I come from a a long line of teachers, which is great. And along with that also comes some of the things that many of us teachers struggle with, right? The all in, the at all costs as it pertains even to our, ourselves. And so a flash forward to my teaching career started in 1997. So it's, <laughs> I've been teaching for, for a while and mostly it, I'm an elementary teacher. I'm also licensed preschool. So in Minneapolis, where I live and taught in, I've taught classroom pre-K through second grade, but also was a literacy coach for K through five and an instructional coach for um, K through five teachers and students. And I did a lot of parent things with that too. So I think the biggest shift for me and what brought me to the self-nurtured teacher, so that's where you'll find my website. 
And that is me as a teacher to overworked women, not necessarily just teachers looking to create opportunities for everyday um, self-care. And really self-care and SEL are are very tied tied together and understanding that. And um, when I was diagnosed with Addison's disease in 2017, that's a life-threatening um, illness. I have no adrenal gland function. So it really it created a different shift that was necessary for me to be able to a stay alive and then and teach and it really was taking the systems and the structures that i was so good at in putting into place with students and the procedures and and all that those kinds of things but into my own planning time and energy expenditure and I realized that what I was doing at that time was really benefiting my colleagues that I was working with and received all kinds of feedback and thanks for, wow, thank you for showing me this and allowing allowing it to be okay to do my best, but not put myself in harm's way as terms of health and mental health. So that's where I am. That's how, that's how I got here. And um, the resources and things I create for teachers is like a little extension that's teacher specific is the self-nurtured classroom. So it kind of embodies that idea of you're nurturing yourself, your students, your energy, your environment, all the things that we have control over because there's many things that we, most things that we don't. Well, I appreciate your story and just thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. Like that's a lot. And like, I love how, and I can tell you're just a very positive person and just how like you, that's, I can't imagine, but how you've taken that as a positive experience and just has have really been able, okay, I have this going on, but how can I help others? So you're just an amazing lady to be doing all of this and look like you even just sharing your story, like who knows, like how you have helped somebody. So that's so amazing. And also your passion for education, your experience is so valuable. Like I, you, I am so glad that you are here today. <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it comes to SEL and how it relates to elementary, how would you describe that? And what research do you use to refine your practice? So for me, SEL is a 24-7 just way of being human. So just kind of a backstep of this, like I started teaching prior to No Child Left Behind and where SEL was just kind of best practice in what kids did in school. And then the large like pendulum swing to the academic push. And, and don't get me wrong, like I am all about, you know, taking <laughs> the academics and taking the potential and moving them, but at what cost, right? So SEL is not new to me. It's just kind of how I've embodied my teaching. It's as a, a licensed early childhood educator, that's what we did, looking at the whole child providing hands-on experiences and nurturing the confidence in uh, students, um, just who they are as a person and where they are in their academics and where they can go. So I just like to like preface that. It's it's 24-7. It's not a 15-minute lesson. It's, it's not something like, oh, I'm doing SEL. It's really how your day, your class, if you're a classroom teacher, if you are a specials teacher that are focusing on STEM, it's how you structure your entire time with those students when it comes to 
the mindset, the way your class is organized, just everything set up for them. And SEL in education for me is providing numerous real life experiences and opportunities for students and ourselves to practice within our space, to grow within that together, to really become just a well-rounded person and community member. I mean, that is the ultimate goal for me. Oh, I appreciate that. And that is so true. Like, I feel like SEL can be a buzzword. I don't know if you would think that, um, but it is, it isn't something new. And I actually taught preschool um, when I was in college and I real uh, I was such a hard decision to go into elementary or early childhood. And you're so right. It is about the whole child, which we do that in elementary, but I feel like we're missing that sometimes. Um, and it is so like this 15 minute lesson, but it really is 24 seven. Um, do you have any specific resources or research that you've used along the years or things that have helped you? I know your experience is, is like the best research <laughs> of what you've done with kids. I know that I have that listed down. I'm like, I had to write down. I'm like, yeah. And then it's like, oh yes. And then this, and then this, um, because I think sometimes, you know, we think research and these articles or this or whatever, which, you know, that's a part of SEL. That's a part of everything. And then it's, you know, teaching is there's the art and science of it. And being a human, there's like the book smart paper on paper looks great. And then there's the reality and it's somewhere in the middle, right? Is where, is where the magic happens. So yes, I have over 25 years of hands-on experience, trial and error of that, right? Like, oh, (laughs) and then each kid is different too. So it's understanding, well, this strategy or this or whatever, I would never do with this kid because that would just shut them down. Whereas you kind of have to navigate that. You start with the base and then you you can kind of see which way you can tap into the potential for each student. Most of my practice is really rooted in responsive classroom. I have level one and level two training, and I have had the great fortune of teaching alongside of two national trainers. So we had all kinds of opportunities with that. So that can absolutely be brought into STEM program for people that are teaching that as, you know, a standalone content area, as well as if you're the one responsible for me in my classroom, we did not have, you know, we were responsible for our science and STEM. So if that's you listening to this, like there are some really simple ways that you can tap into that and responsive classroom is a great way to just utilize that in just everyday structures without even necessarily a specific like STEM lesson, so to speak. In addition to that, Envoy, which is a nonverbal, you think I would remember the acronym, but I don't. <laughs> it's been so long. And again, I taught with a teammate that was a national trainer for Envoy. And so just really, you know, understanding how to tap into capturing um, engagement with kids. And that goes into kind of some of the management, which is a part of SEL. I was trained. I have two different trainings in IBPYP program. I taught at a recognized, why can't I think of it? Certified, whatever the word <laughs> word is of, a, of an IBPYP program. I'm not sure if people, a lot of people recognize IB from a high school standpoint, standpoint, but the organization has accredited elementary program, which is highly rooted in profiles and attitudes, which are directly correlated with SEL. And again, just being a human, being a risk taker, having empathy, being responsible, all of there's like 20 of them between the two. That paired with just growth mindset, 
Carol Dweck's work, looking at a lot of that, having training as an instructional coach, Minneapolis brought in uh, trainers, and we had lots of training around that as it pertained to working with adults and coaching adults through that to get students. And then I personally did numerous things around um, that with parents. In the one school where I was the coach, I focused heavily on advanced differentiation. Many people might call that gifted and talented. We call it advanced differentiation. And so really looking at, I provided a parent workshop to look at how do we approach with a growth mindset? Because when you have um, gifted or advanced learners, they tend to really fall into a fixed mindset, which is kind of hard for people to hear like, oh, they're so smart. It's like, no, we don't want to be saying that to them. We want to really go into some depth and complexity. So I have lots of training around advanced differentiation. That was part of part of my my job. And then I SEL very specific. I will always be looking to Castle for um, what they say best practices around um, SEL. I think that's such like a well balanced mix of things, um, especially. So in my role, I teach all the kids in the school and you said what works for one kid might not work for another. And so just being any teacher, you have to be prepared what comes your way. But I see K through five, 500 plus kids. A lot of STEM teachers do. Even if you're a classroom teacher, you have different kids every year. So just keeping on refining your practice, using these resources, obviously your experiences and training are gold. No one can take those away from you. <laughs> um, but I think this is really helpful, especially when people are feeling stuck or they need a refresher. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned growth mindset because I'm going to have an episode coming out real soon about that um, because it's so important. And we see that, especially with the gifted kids, but even when it comes to STEM, it's so interesting. I thought my first year kids would be all excited about building, which they are, but they aren't if they are not given those experiences all the way. They're like, well, show me what it's supposed to look like. How am I supposed to do it? Oh, it didn't work. I give up. Like lots of tears, lots of crying. But it really had to work on growth mindset year after year um, with all the grade levels. And the kids are used to be by now and they're excited about, I failed. I'm going to try try it a different way. Or here, look at this strategy I did or look what I did. But it's just taken a long time, literally years since I don't see them every single day. I see them five days a week for the month. But just so important that that is a huge part in all of those components that you mentioned are enormous in the STEM space or any hands-on learning, anything that when you're creating, it's just such a vulnerable thing to create something. It's scary. <laughs> Even this podcast can be scary. It's creating. <laughs> I think that's super helpful. And I wrote those all down. So we'll link those all in the show notes for people. So if they're interested, they can um, check those out even further. So speaking of that, with the hands-on learning, how do you see this relating um, with SEL? So how do you think STEM and hands-on learning go together? We talked about growth mindset, but what connections and skills do you feel like this helps build? Yeah, so STEM activities and the learning structures that you know come with, with STEM are actually just a really natural opportunity to practice everyday SEL and those five um, castle competencies, which are self-management, um, self-awareness, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. So those are the five components that kind of embody SEL from an individual level out to even families, out to the community. Everything is kind of connected with that. So when you're talking about 
STEM, for instance, like self-awareness, really discovering, identifying, and understanding a student's emotions and just their personal um, strength areas and their areas for growth is, I mean, think of all the all the things that happen there, right? And typically, then when it comes to self-management, there's lots of different emotions and the motion, emotion roller coaster, kind of how you just, just talked about with the growth mindset, happens um, and are pretty high when students are faced with challenging situations. And, you know, in STEM and from just my in, inquiry background, because that's what IB is based in inquiry, it's very challenging when you're just posing questions and kind of facilitating when there's not just like step one, step two, you know, and and it can create those emotions. So giving um, and having some different structures and systems in place for students to regulate those emotions, to manage the stress and the impulses and the just shutting down. I mean, it's, it's a process, right? So when you first do this, you're going to feel like, why? And then, but it's staying the course, right? It's kind of, it's like when you start working out and like, I'm not seeing the results and like, just keep going. It will happen. It will happen. When it comes to self-awareness, just two big components of self-awareness are other people's perspectives or just, you know, multiple perspectives in general, and then being able to empathize with other people. So being able to be aware of that. And a lot of STEM things happen in collaboration. You're, you know, it's, it's not just an isolated thing all the time. So kind of understanding how that works and that moves into the relationship skills is that in the classroom. And then if someone, let's say, you know, they grow up and they have a STEM job, teamwork is a, (laughs) is a big part of that. And so being able to communicate, to listen, um, knowing how to handle conflicts is, is just really important. So that plays out in many STEM activities. And then the responsible or the, yes, responsible decision-making. The engineering design process is just like an overall great guide to like understand how your decisions can identify and solve problems and the consequences of doing this or this and then having to, you know, go back. And so I think when it comes to a STEM lesson, but really this is just a great process to, to approach for just life, right? Like, oh, there's this problem. How could I solve it? And just, so, um, before I forget, like what we did in my kindergarten classroom. And like I said earlier with my ELL um, co-teacher, we did a pictorial input chart, which is a GLAD strategy on the engineering design process. And so really like had the pictures up and walking through and and doing some specific charts around that because they were inventing something. They were it was specific to the project and the unit we were doing, but also we connected that then to, oh, how does this connect with how we approach things in the classroom? So I am so glad you mentioned the engineering design process. We've been talking about that so much on this show. I even had a whole mini series and I broke down each step for teachers. So there's an episode about the ask, there's an episode about the imagine. So it's not something new. It's not new. And you were doing this in a kindergarten classroom, not as a STEM teacher per se. It can be anywhere. And you just saw the importance and how they are building upon those soft skills. And I'm so glad you said that. Like, oh, oh my gosh, you were so great. This is awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So definitely those soft skills. That is what STEM is all about. And I tell the kids that all the time. Well, it doesn't matter what tools that you're using. 
you're here to build on skills that you're going to use the rest of your life. The tools are just a way for me to help you practice these skills. They're going to change. You're not going to have these robots when you're 25. But the skills, how you can collaborate and work together and problem solve, you need to have those skills, whether you're in a STEM job or not, you need to be able to do these things. So I'm so glad you said that because that is like a huge, that's like probably the biggest why I am in STEM is like all that, all those soft skills, you get to be creative, but you're really building up yourself as a human. That is like the whole goal of my class. Well, you know, it was kind of eye opening. It's hard for me to say because it's been already so long. Since I started my IB like career, I'm not even going to say I have to do math. It's like, ah, it just feels like yesterday, but it's not. But I just remember being very awestruck in that time where it was like, you know, no longer is education the place where, you know, it used to be people come because that's where the knowledge was. But with just the technology advances and the information at people's fingertips, we need to create critical thinkers to understand processes and work together because the kids that you're teaching right now, the jobs that they are going to have haven't even been created yet. I mean, even five years ago, would we have been like, oh, someone can be a social media manager and make a really good income with that. People would have been like, what? That is ridiculous. And so we don't even know what they're going to end up doing. So we really want to prepare them to handle challenges and be prepared for those really unknown situations. Oh, I didn't know I was going to be a STEM teacher. I didn't originally go to college for this. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I went to school to be elementary ed. And then through experiment, like kind of like the kids, like, oh, I was really like hands-on. I've always loved hands-on learning and science. Let's be real. I've always loved that. But then STEM was coming about. I'm like, I think I can do this. And now I have a master's in that and went back to school and everything. But even for just teaching, there's there's so many new roles out there. And even having a teaching podcast, like who knows, like you have no idea what is going to be out there. So if we as adults can <laughs> figure it out, then like, hey, we can totally get our kids to do it. We just have to, we're, we're their champions, we're their cheerleaders, but giving them those skills to be successful. Um, so you mentioned the pictures for the engineering design process, which I think that's amazing. I, that's awesome. Are there any other um, ways teachers can easily implement SEL into their instruction, like top ways you're like, oh, definitely do this, or this has worked really well, um, no matter what they're teaching, what would you recommend? Well, I have lots of ideas because just like students, teachers are on their own like path and not everyone's going to be in the same place or not everything's going to feel comfortable. and. I, before I give the ideas, I would just say, really think about your own growth mindset. It's really hard to have students tap into that and they can smell it if you aren't tapping into that. So getting out of your comfort zone and starting with the, the next small thing that feels doable that starts stretching that, you know, just like when we go to the gym, if we haven't been there forever or for a long time, we don't go to like these really super heavy weights. Or if we do, we, we have. <laughs> You may not be back for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so when I say that, um, you know, just think about your own schedule, where you are, because really I am all about using the schedule you already have to determine where would be some appropriate times and good fits to implement aspects of the five castle competencies. For example, I love responsive classroom, morning meeting as a part of that. If you are 
in the classroom, you can kind of bring in some STEM things if you're teaching STEM like like I was in the classroom. If you are like you, Naomi, and you're doing that, you can take maybe just five minutes, like a real condensed and one part of a morning meeting to start building the community. Because here's the thing, your learners, in order to be risk takers in these things, need to feel safe in that space. And that's not going to happen day one. It's not going to happen day seven. It's not maybe going to happen for some students until maybe the end of the year. So really recognizing that risk factor and providing low risk opportunities as you start. So for instance, at the start of the year, it may be simple like, hey, we're going to do, I'm going to introduce you to my to my friends. And the teacher says everyone's name and getting to know everyone's name and then maybe doing a name game and then maybe having a would you rather that's re- revolved around the unit that you're doing. You know, would you rather X or Y and then Y and then starting to get them comfortable with really using their voice. Because if you don't do that, the rest of your amazing lessons and everything you have on paper, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Good on paper means nothing if you cannot implement it in a way that brings kids to the ultimate objective. Because the lessons you're creating are not about you. They're about the students. And if the students aren't in a space where they can feel heard, valued, vulnerable, they're not going to explore those challenging things. And they need to know that it's okay to do that. So I would start with that. After that, really, there's so many, so many ideas. Differentiation is key. You're going to have kids, just as when Naomi and I were talking, like a big range sometimes. And understanding where those kids, those kids that can do it, they need your support just as much as the kids that are really struggling. And that can be tricky. But what I like to use are um, the prompts of depth and complexity. Those are a really great entry point. They're icons. You teach them to the whole class. But let's say you have a group that's gone ahead on whatever the unit or project you're doing. You can say, oh, okay, now um, I want you to look for patterns in your findings or whatever and just have that up there. And it's a really easy way for you to differentiate without planning. The idea isn't that you're planning all different lessons. You're teaching to the same standard with the same kind of idea. It's just getting kids that need to go deeper, going deeper into it. So that's a really great way. Um, I kind of addressed this already. Really scaffold. Scaffold your year and your units from that low risk to high risk. And don't don't assume. Don't assume like, well, it's January. We've gotten to know each other. And it's this really challenging unit. Don't assume that they're just going to jump in with like, whoa, yeah, I'm really ready to fail. Like, don't assume that. Just start low, low risk. And you can use engaging text to support thinking or concepts. Really, um, there's so many amazing texts out there. I wrote some books, Simple and Downs, like oh, my class loved The Most Magnificent Thing, uh, the Andrea uh, Beattie books. There's um, one that I just recently came across. I've not used this in the classroom, but there's three. Um, maybe you know about these, Naomi. Uh, what would you do with an idea? What do you do with a problem? What do you do with the chance? By oh, they're really good. Yeah. So, I mean, just really, really utilizing that and taking a step back, like go slow to go fast. So what if you take the first day of a new unit to look at a book that has concepts that they're going to be encountering or mindset ideas that you know, like, hey, they're going to really struggle with, you know, this emotion perhaps when they're going through this. So I'm going to start with a book that's going to address that 
And I would say do a beginning of the unit SEL questionnaire about the content and subject. Find out where the kids are and their feelings about it. That will give you so much information and that they're feeling validated. Like it's okay to say that I'm scared about this or I don't, I'm nervous. I don't know about this or, or whatever. Finding out where they're at, not just from a content standpoint, but from where they are in terms of how they feel they're going to, you know, do with it. And then having some exit slips that include a self evaluation or reflection. And you can do that after certain lessons or at the end, especially. And that will give you good information that you, you know, every class and every year is different, but you can take some common things to like, oh, I think I want to tweak this for the next time. I've not done this, but I thought about this when I was doing this. And I think I'm going to put this in, I'm going to make this for my TPT store, but I would have an emoji check-in system before, during, and then the completion of the projects. And there's lots of different ways you can have that. You can literally have them printed out and you can just go with like kind of three or four basic kind of emotions. And even while they're working, they could just, you know, put like, oh, I'm confused. And if they put that there as you're walking around or whatever, it's like, oh, it's just a real easy way. Pretty, again, low risk. They're not having to be like, I don't know. And then a way for you to to check in with either that individual or group, and then even creating just some posters of strategies, of course, that you go over of how to deal with your feelings when you feel like you're out of control or confused, or you want to just give up. Well, I like this fits in like every single thing you talked about. I've talked about in a different, like you, yes, you know, you're a great coach. I wish I could coach with you. Yeah, that is so true. And I wrote all of these down for people. So we'll link all of this, um, all the books that you mentioned, but these, yes, teachers, I feel like can do all these things that you're mentioning. You're like, oh, or maybe they're like, I already do that. Or, oh, that's a cool way to do it. So those are just like you said, you can implement it in your teaching every day, no matter what you teach. And if you do teach all the kids in the school. And I want to go back to when you were saying where you're, you really need to create a space where students are feeling safe and they are feeling welcome. That is so true. And it's so hard when you're a specials. That's a big thing be- going from classroom teacher to specials, I feel like is you have your same kids when you're a classroom teacher and you see them every day. You know them. You can tell when they're in the best mood or the worst mood. You just really know who they are. Um, I used to do the five love languages quiz for kids when I was a classroom teacher. And it was so eye-opening and interesting to see how they felt the most loved. And my one of my most neediest class, their love language was primarily quality time, which made sense. They always wanted lunch with a teacher for a prize. Um, but as a specials teacher, that was a huge, that was probably one of the hardest things going into this role is I don't have them all day. And so I'm here year five, and I know them pretty well. Um, But it's just taken a long time for them to get to know me, get to know them, creating a space where they do feel safe, that they want to take risks, they want to have those challenges, they are feeling comfortable communicating, collaborating. Um, And it's so different, too. I don't know what they do with their classroom teachers. Like some are really strong about um, these strategies. Some Sometimes STEM is their only time of the school year where they get to work together. Um, so it's just so interesting with those classroom dynamics and just being in this role. But no matter what you're teaching, these are just all important things for sure. So I feel like people are going to walk away with so much knowledge from this episode. And I'm so, again, so grateful that you are here. 
Are there anything, um, freebies or anything you want to let teachers know about and how can they find you and connect with you? Yeah. So, um, if you go to my Instagram handle, the self-nurtured classroom, um, I have a link there for a year long SEL guide. It's a, it's a guide. And right now it's just K through one. I'll be adding to that and I'm adding things to it all the time and updating, but it includes book lists and questions that are aligned to the five castle competencies. And so some of those in there, again, may not be directly STEM related, but when you're building that, like just what you said, um, you know, prior to this, I would venture to say, and it's hard because there's pressures from different ways. I would rather take the first six weeks of school and that's less time when you're not seeing everyone every day all the time to build in those relationships because your return on that time investment is going to be like a hundredfold. It can feel like, oh, I should be doing this content right now. But if you don't get those relationships in that space, you're going to be battling that all year. But if you just take the time in the beginning, then it's amazing. It's amazing how that goes. So um, you can grab that for free. And then for more adult SEL, again, not teacher specific, although I do have many teachers that you know do this. My website is selfnurturedteacher.com. So there's some free things there for adults and you can just kind of check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for your time. And I know that this is such an important episode, very timeless. It can last forever. Um, This is a a year-long evergreen thing that we always need. It's just such a great refresher. And I learned so much. You should definitely see my desk right now with all of my notes. (laughs) I learned a lot too, and I'm excited to implement a lot of strategies you talked about. Um, So thank you so much again, Jill. And hopefully we can have you back another time. You're great. Yeah, thank you. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. I would love to connect with you over on Instagram at Naomi Meredith underscore or send me an email to elementarystemcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure to check out my website, naomimeredith.com to see all the show notes from today's episode and shop my K-5 STEM resources. Any questions you have, needs for resources, or ideas for episodes, get in touch. I'll talk to you soon.